I want to introduce myself first. My name is Pastor Eric. I'm the associate pastor here on staff at Montclair Community Church. I've been on staff here for about five years, four years with a year of internship. I don't really know. Time went really quick, even quicker when COVID happened. But it has been my absolute privilege to be here on staff and to be a pastor here. And my main responsibilities is that of our amazing youth group and our awesome young adult crew as well. It's a privilege to pastor them. And then on top of that, I also get the benefit of coming up here and speaking on a regular basis. So today is your lucky day, because it's one of those days that I get to speak as well. But for you guys who may not have known, or may, maybe this was your first time here, we have started a new series. And this new series is called Natural Church Development. And it's based off of something that one of our elders, Dave Langford, has worked really close with, and it's on developing churches naturally. It's pretty simple, it's in the name right there. But in that, there is eight categories or eight essential characteristics that churches have. And what we decided as for this summer, we're gonna go through those eight characteristics. So we started three weeks ago, our elder Dave Langford just gave an overview of what that would look like and what those characteristics were and what natural church development was. And then after that, Pastor or Stel Dave Langford gave a message about passionate spirituality, and then Pastor Lee gave a message about inspirational worship which those messages are really great. So if you guys haven't watched them or you missed a week, please go back on our YouTube. You can find us at Montclair.Church or you can also listen to a podcast if that's what you prefer, also at Montclair.Church. So we would love to have you guys be on top of that. And today we're gonna to be picking up the third essential characteristic, which is loving relationships. And this is one that I think is really important because I think it is an essential of every Christian, of every church and of our religion. Love is what is the core of who we really are. If we were to define a healthy Christian, I would define that as a loving Christian. If we were to define a healthy church, I would also define that as a loving church. In fact, love is so important that it is the first two greatest commandments that Jesus says. In Matthew 22, when, Jesus, when the disciples and the Pharisees ask, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says to love God and to love others. Love is so important that it is the essential to our faith. It is the top two commandments that we need to follow, but I feel like love has kind of gotten a little bit of a bad rap nowadays because the way the world uses love is very different than what the Bible says love is. If we're in the world, I could say, I love Chick-fil-A. It's unfortunate it's Sunday and I can't get Chick-fil-A today. Or I love shopping. I love Amazon, I can order something here and it's in two hours, it's at my door. I love all of these things, but the Bible doesn't use love in that sense. The Bible uses love in more of a sense of, hey, I love my spouse. I love my significant other. In the way when you were married or if you want to get married that you stand up there and you make a commitment and a vow saying I will love you through sick and thin, I will love you no matter what, is the way that the Bible talks about love. And yet nowadays, when we're on a phone with Verizon and we hang up, we say, hey, I love you, and hang up. We say I love you to everyone. It's a real conversation. I'm embarrassed about it. I still think about it at night. It keeps me up. But I've said I love you at the end of way too many conversations when I've known the person for less than a half a minute and I don't actually love them. But we throw this word love around so often, and yet that's not really what the Bible does. This world talks about love, and it talks about love as a feeling. And it's a feeling that can change very easily. If I love Chick-fil-A, and yet I go to Chick-fil-A and they don't give me french fries, I now hate Chick-fil-A. But if I love my brother, if I love my mother, if I love my father, if I love my family, no matter what they do, 
that's not going to change. I still love them. And that's the love that this Bible talks about. And today, that's the love we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about biblical love and how God's love comes to each and every one of us. And from us, it flows out to everyone. So I know we've prayed a lot before, but I want to pray one more time because you can never pray enough. And then we'll jump right into this scripture. So let's pray. God, thank you for being a loving God, a caring God, a God who is there for us, God. A God who is just a powerful God, a God who is caring. And God, I ask you to take away my words today, that you fill my mouth with your words, with your Holy Spirit, and that you intercede for me today, Lord. We know your gospel, your Bible speaks beyond anything a human could, Lord. And we know that my words will fail in comparison to what you have for this message today. So I ask that you remove my words and that you replace them with yours instead. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So we're going to jump right in. We're actually going to jump in a little bit after Dave read. Um, it's in the scripture he read, but we're jumping in on 34 instead of 33. And we're going to start in the first half of 34. So verse John 13, 34a reads, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And now before we really jump to that, I just want to give you guys a really quick context on this verse. This is Jesus talking to his disciples at the Last Supper. Now, in the book of John, it doesn't necessarily say that this is the Last Supper, but when you read the prior events and the events after, you realize that it's the Last Supper. So this was one of the last commandments and one of the last things that Jesus told his disciples before he was taken away, before he went to the garden, before Judas betrayed him, before anything happened. This was Jesus talking to his disciples and giving them kind of one last important commandment. And that word commandment is what I want to talk about next. It's a word we use often in the Ten Commandments. It says, oh, Jesus commanded me to do that. Oh, Jesus said this. I should do that. It's something we throw around, but we don't really define all that often. So I want to spend some time to define commandment because it really impacts the way we view the scripture. So a commandment in the Eric Temple translation and thesaurus reads, a, define, a divine order or rule that goes against our natural tendencies. And the first half of that, I think, is a very simple thing, a divine order or rule. That just means God told you to do it. Very simple, very easy, but that second half I added in there because I think it's very important for today's message, but also for all of the commandments. It says that goes against our natural tendencies. See, I don't have to command anyone to breathe. I don't have to command anyone to drink. I don't have to command anyone to eat. We do that naturally in the same way that our sin nature causes us to lie, to sin, to steal, to be jealous. So you don't have to command someone to lie. You don't have to command someone to steal. You don't have to command someone to not be jealous or to be jealous. You don't have to command someone to do something that they're already doing. A commandment tells us to do the opposite. That's why there's no laws that say, oh, feel free to go shoplifting. That's why there's no laws that say, feel free to kill anyone, because we know that those things, sadly, because of sin nature, are natural to us. If you were to leave us in a room just alone, some people would say, oh, I think everyone's good. People are good at heart. They're all nice. They're not going to steal. They're not going to do anything. To those people, I say, have you met people? It's pretty obvious that people are horrible people. Have you watched the news for more than five minutes? Have you been around anyone for more than 24 hours? If you were to put a group of people who never knew each other on a deserted island for 24 hours, I think there would be multiple deaths, multiple stealings, multiple things that would happen. It wouldn't take that long, and the proof is in the pudding, Garden of Eden. There was only two people there, and yet Adam and Eve still sinned. And that's why it was the commandment that God gave them to not 
eat of that tree. Because he knew that they could still do it. And then ever since then, we have had to be commanded to do things that are not natural. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying here. I am commanding you to love one another. Because I'm going to admit to you guys, I'm selfish. I think we all are. I may just be admitting it, and you guys may be saying, ah, no, I really, I'd put others before myself. Uh, it's a bunch of malarkey. Um, if you were to put us all to it, we are all going to put ourselves first. That's our natural tendency, and that is what Jesus is saying to these disciples. He is saying, don't do that. I am commanding you to love one another instead of loving yourself, because it is not natural. Love is not natural. Love for ourselves is natural. Love for you isn't. It is something that comes only through God, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But it's important to note that love is not natural for us, and that's why it ultimately has to be commanded to each and every one of us. And then the second part I want to put in here, and for those who were astute Bible scholars, you might have noticed it when we read the scripture the first time, but it said this is a new commandment. And I think you guys are all astute Bible scholars, because I saw a bunch of people nodding their heads. This doesn't seem all that new, right? This seems like it's happened before, like Jesus has even said this a couple verses or chapters before, but even before that, about 15,000 or 1,500 years ago in Leviticus, this was already stated. Leviticus 19.18 reads, You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So why would Jesus say this is a new commandment? especially since the disciples grew up Jewish, they grew up with Jesus, they grew up around the Bible, they would have known this commandment since the time they were negative two. They would have known this commandment their entire lives. So why is Jesus saying that it's new? Well, there's something very important that happens in the scripture that is very new compared to the old one. And we read about this in the following verses in John 13, 34b. This picks up right where we stopped before. It reads, just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. So what's new here? If we go back to Leviticus, it reads, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That's very simple. I'm going to love you as I love myself, and sometimes I don't actually really love myself that much, so I can still be angry at you. I can still be mad at you. It's a great example. It is sadly the greatest example of love back in Levit Leviticus that they would have known. This was what Jesus was commanding them back then. This is what God was commanding them back then, was to love one another as you love yourself. That's a hard thing to do, but it's still imperfect because we don't love ourselves perfectly. We aren't sacrificial. We aren't unconditional. We don't always love ourselves. It's not perfect love. It is not the perfect standard. It still falls short. So it's a great standard, but the new part of this commandment comes in when Jesus says, love each other just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. So he changes that standard. He said, hey, this was a great standard to love each other just as you love yourself, but eh, that's not good enough. Let's go all the way over here. Now you need to love each other as I am about to love you. As I am about to walk out, I am about to be flogged. I am about to be mocked. I am about to be beaten. I am about to be put on that cross just for you. Now love each other just like that. That's a lot harder than the way I love myself. That's a lot different than that old commandment that says love each other as you love yourself, which seems possible. If you told me to do that, I said, I could probably love everyone like I love myself. If you tell me to love everyone like ah, Jesus loved me, that's a lot harder. 
So that's the new part of the commandment that Jesus is adding right here, that he is ultimately the best standard of love. That yes, you should love each other as you love yourself, but go even beyond that, love as Christ loved you. Love as 1 John 4, 18 reads, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. This perfect love, love as Christ loved us, means to love perfectly. To love that cast out all fears, and the fear it's talking about right there is the fear of condemnation, the fear of any kind of punishment, the fear that comes with not having that perfect love. But when God came and died on that cross, he cast out that fear on each and every one of us. And this perfect love, this love that Jesus exemplified on that cross for each and every one of us, even, even before that, in coming down to earth when he was living in this paradise, this is the love that he wants us to exemplify. He wants us to love one another with, and that's not easy, to love perfectly. And this perfect love, I think, can be summarized in three words, and the first one is sacrificial. John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. The greatest sense of love is Jesus laying down his life for his friends, for us for everyone who's ever lived on this earth, for everyone who ever will be on this earth. That is the greatest sense of love that is so sacrificial. It's not just giving $20. It's not even giving $10,000. It's literally giving his life. And not just a way of saying, I'm going to die for you and I'll just go back up to heaven, but in a way that he died a sinful death. He died on that cross for each and every one of us. He died this painful death because it was sacrificial. And not only was his love sacrificial, it was also unconditional. John 3.16, which I think we all know by heart, or most of us do, it's the most commonly searched Bible verse in the world, but it reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's very simple. This is, if you sign up for Instagram or you sign up for the new app, I think it's Threads. Some of you guys might know what that is. But if you even sign up to shop online, you sign a terms and conditions on that. And it's normally like 27 pages and you could be signing away your entire net worth, but you don't actually know it unless someone reads it. And if you read it, good on you. I, I don't have that time. Um, but when we sign that, that's what we're agreeing to. When we become Christians, this is what we are agreeing to. It's very simple. Two sentences. If you believe that Jesus was God, that he died on the cross for you, you are saved. Amen. That's amazing. That doesn't mean that we have permission to sin after that. It doesn't mean that we don't change, but that means that the only thing that will ever save us is never our actions, is never what we do, never what we say, never how we love. It's never what we can do. It is unconditional because God sent his son to give us that gift, that free gift of salvation, of life, that amazing gift. It is unconditional. So this perfect love that God is calling all of us to do is sacrificial, unconditional, and it's also never-ending. In Lamentations chapter 3, verses 22 through 23, it reads, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen. That's an amazing verse. I'm actually going to read that again because I like that so much. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen.
That is the love that God loves us with. It isn't just sacrificial. It isn't just unconditional. It is never-ending. It is like, the best example I've heard of it is the waves in the ocean. They just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. If you sat there for 17 days straight just on that water and watched the waves come, they would never stop. That is God's love for each and every one of us. No matter what we do, no matter what we say, no matter what happens, God's love will keep washing over us again and again and again, as it says here, every morning. So this perfect love, which is an amazing love and a love I want us all to know, is sacrificial because he died on that cross for us, is unconditional because God met all the conditions for us and all we have to do is believe and is never ending because his grace, his love and mercies never end. And that sounds amazing when we talk about God's love by that, but now let's turn it around to what this verse is actually talking about, is us loving in that same sense. We're supposed to be loving that is sacrificial, loving that is unconditional, loving that is never ending in the same way that Christ did that for us. Now, when we look at that standard, it's great God did that for me, but how am I going to do that going forward? How am I going to love people in this way that seems just so unnatural? Because again, it is unnatural. That's why we're being commanded by it. And this is the point where I get to unveil what's under this neatest trash bag. If you guys didn't notice that, it's cool. But right here is something that I hope is going to help us explain how we can love in this way that is perfect, like God. This love that is sacrificial, this love that is unconditional, and this love that never ends. It is a truly amazing love, and it's a love that we cannot accomplish on our own. But it is a love that can be accomplished. And we read about this in Romans 5.5. 5. And hope does not push, put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into his hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, which is truly an amazing thing. And now, if this thing is working, which it may or may not be, who knows, but this should, oh no, I tested it for like three hours. I just act like none of that happened. And we'll go back. But this love that we are called to do, this love that is impossible, and if we come here right now, you see this is somewhat filled with water. This has some water in it because we know how to love slightly. We know how to love others. We know how to love ourselves, but it's not this perfect love. But this is how we get to this perfect love. This being God pouring out his love into us and filling us up is how we become loving. This is the only way that we can become loving. Because if it was left to ourselves, we may have a little bit of love to give. We may be able to love our family, but when it comes to our boss, there's no way we can love them. When it comes to even loving ourselves, there's, there's uh, maybe some days I could, some days I couldn't. We may be able to give a little love on our own, but until we understand this love that God pours out onto each and every one of us, we cannot love in a whole sense. This love fills us up, and it doesn't just fill us up, it changes us completely from who we were. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. It reads, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, 
but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. This type of love was never possible before, but this type of love with God, pouring it out on each and every one of us through his Holy Spirit is now possible. You see how this love has grown? It was from here, now it's going up, and it will never end. It will continue to keep going and going and going. It's a love that will make each and every one of us more patient. It will make us more kind. It will make us not jealous of others. It will make us humble. It will help us to hope and believe in what the future has to come. It will change us completely from who we were to who Christ is like. And that is our goal as Christians is to become more and more like Christ. And that is what this love does through God's Holy Spirit. It pours out on each and every one of us. Which is an amazing thing because, man, I got a lot of love now. You guys are all filled up with a lot of love. That's a lot compared to what it was, but that's not where it ends. It isn't just, this love isn't something for us to hold within and for us to say, hey, I'm really, I'm kind now. I'm not jealous of anyone else. I'm a really loving person, but I really just, I love myself and eh, maybe I love a few other people, but that's not what this is talking about. This is talking about a love that flows from God to us and to others. And this is summed up in John 13, verse 35, the last verse we have today. It reads, By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. All people will know that you are Jesus' disciples by the way you love. That is, in summary, why we are even talking about love today. Because it's not just for God to fill us up, that we have all this love in our hearts and that we feel better about ourselves and that we don't feel like we're failing anything. It is for us to show that love that God is giving to us, to others. It's to start filling up maybe our neighbors. And then we got to start filling them up with God's love. Because ultimately, what would it look like if instead of walking out of your car, looking down, getting into your door as quick as possible to ignore that neighbor you haven't met yet who's lived there for 10 years and you've lived there for 15, what would it look like to look up, see them, say, hey, and actually go over to greet them? Or if you know your neighbors, what would it look like to invite them over for a barbecue? Not where you just share the entire gospel to them, but where you just love them, where maybe you pray and you introduce them to who you are. I bet you that's going to fill up your neighbors. Now, let's bring it home. Because this love that God is filling us up with, it can't just stay in us. It has to go everywhere. So what if we truly loved your spouses, loved the people who are closest to you, loved your brother, loved your sister, loved your mom, loved your family in a way that God loved them? Not in a way that says, if you didn't clean the dishes, I'm going to give you the silent treatment for three weeks. Not in a way that says, I'm going to look at everything wrong in this house and blame you for that but in a way that says, I actually love you, unconditionally. I love you so much that I want to overfill you. I want to fill this to the brim. I love my family so much that, uh, maybe a little more. A little, little, there we go, perfect. Right to the brim. Because we want to love in a way that God loves. And the way that God loves is overflowing. And I would let these overflow if there wasn't thousands of dollars of equipment over here. Um, sorry, Peter. I tested this, made sure it was not going anywhere where it shouldn't. Um, but this is a love that goes like that. And now one that I know is hard for those who are working. What if we loved our coworkers or bosses? 
What if instead of getting out of a meeting and immediately going, I don't know if there's still water coolers, I work at this church, there's a water cooler here, but um, I don't know if you guys have it, but you went to wherever you talk about that meeting and you met with your coworkers and instead of the normal gossip that goes on, where you poke fun at your boss, where you say he doesn't even know our jobs, instead of that, you cut it out and you talked about the ways that you guys could improve as a staff. What if you started to love in a way that God loved, where it wasn't just seeking every single thing that was wrong, but it forgave and it looked past it? What if we started loving our bosses? What if we started loving these people who are our coworkers? They would start being filled up with love. And there's something I want to notice here as well. Your love's still growing. God's still pouring over. This isn't like you are emptying out yourself on others. This is God continuing to fill us up so that we can love others, so that we can continue to pour out this love on as many people as we can, and even, we're just say, love random people. That person who cut you off on the highway, and yeah, we know what happens. We know, we know what goes on. I drive in New Jersey, too. It's not a fun place to drive. But what if instead of cursing them out, we prayed for them? What if instead of yelling at them and honking our horn for 10 hours straight, we just said, hey, maybe he's having a bad day? And we prayed for them and said, what if we loved these people that we saw just in these random stores, and instead of just ignoring them and just food shopping like we normally would, we started actually loving them? This love would truly be amazing. And the last love I want to talk about, because with natural church development, we are talking about churches, is what if we truly started to love within our church? What if we truly started to come to church, not just for the sermon, not just for the message, not just for the bagels downstairs or the amazing coffee, but if we came for our brothers and sisters in Christ? What if we came to church and looked around for a new person or for a person you've seen for seven years and you still don't really know them, and he said, I'm going to actually get to know them. And I'm not just going to get to know their name, but I'm going to get to know what they're going through right now, how I can pray for them, how I can care for them, how I can be a part of their spiritual walk, how I can encourage them, how I can do that. What if we shared this love that God is still pouring out onto us with their churches? And we could keep going and going and going, but it's important to realize that when God pours out our love onto us, it's not for us. It's not for us to feel better. It's not for us to be better people. It's for us to share him with others. It's for us to love others. 1 John 4.19 reads, We love because he first loved. The only reason we can love, because this is something that's unnatural for all of us. Love is unnatural. The only reason that we can love is because God loved us first. He sent his son to die on that cross. And before that, he even sent his angels, he sent lights, he guided us from the beginning of time, even after we rejected him from the Garden of Eden, trying to bring back that relationship. And ultimately, he succeeded, and we know that through Jesus Christ on that cross. And that is the ultimate sign of love. That is the ultimate way that God loved us. And because we have experienced that love, we get filled up. And now this would keep being overflowing if we had an infinity amount of water, but just... I'll keep doing that. Um, but it will keep filling up in real life. God will continue to fill us up and fill us up and fill us up. And that's not just for you. It does change us, as we read in 1 Corinthians. It changes the way we interact with this world. It changes us from inward. It changes us to be more like Christ. But that isn't the only reason. It changes us so that we can love others and so that they can know God. Because you can be the most articulate speaker. 
You can be the best argumentative person, there's a better word for that, best um, whatever it is, um, best person who knows how to persuade anyone into what they believe. You could know the most about theology. You could know every single Bible. You could have every single Bible verse memorized. And yet, if you do not have love, you're missing something. You're missing a big something. Because without love, the people we interact with day in and day out will never know God. And sadly, the church can be a very hateful place as well. And that should not be the case. Because when we're here, we're experiencing God's grace. We're experiencing God's love. We're experiencing this amazing thing, and sometimes we want to keep it within, but we need to give it out. We need to love all of those around us. And one of the verses I really loved, and this is going to be starting to summarize up what we just learned, was 1 John 4.12. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. If we love others, this is how they get to know God. And now I thought about doing seven applications on how you could love your neighbors, how you could love in the church, but there are so many ways that you can love. And I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit will work, because he always does, and he will show you those ways that we need to love. But that is the challenge for each and every one of us, is to love. And now I want to summarize just by summarizing everything we learned. And I want to give three application points for three different types of people. There may be someone here who either you got dragged by a friend or you just walked through a church store for the first time or the first time in 20 years and you don't really know what Christianity is about. You don't really know who God is. You don't really get even what this love we're talking about is. You don't really get how could someone be overflowing a love that it's still technically trickling down into us so much. How could someone love that much? And for those people who are just kind of seeking out Christianity and don't really know what it is, I want to challenge you to get to know this love, to get to know God, to go out of your way, to start reading your Bible, to start talking to those around you. I would love to have a conversation with anyone who feels like they're in this boat where they're just saying, I, I'm not really sure what this is, but I want to be changed. I want to be filled with love, and I want to be a love that shones out to everyone else as well. If that's you, I would love to talk to you at the end of this service because I want to walk you through getting to know Jesus and how life-changing that really is. And then, for each and every one of us who are already Christians, or are just new Christians, or have been Christians for 20 years, I want to challenge us to get filled up. Sometimes we just assume that being close to God will fill us up. But that's not really the case. It's more by praying to Jesus. And then, it starts to overflow, because we're getting closer to him. It's more by reading scripture. It's more by getting to know him, just like in any relationship we have, this is how we get to know someone in their love. It is by getting closer to them. So that is our goal as Christians each and every day that we wake up is to get to know God more. Seek him personally and get filled up by him. And now before we move on to the next point, I want to say something that a pastor probably never should, but I want some people to not listen to my last application point. This is the only time a pastor will tell you not to listen to them. But there's a good reason for this. There's some people who are really hurting, whether it's from a church, whether it's from a relationship, whether it's from just life. There's people who are really hurting and yet they've been Christians for 10, 15, 5, 3 years and they still feel like they're not being filled up enough. Like there's not enough love for them to give out to others. And I want to challenge those people because it's perfectly fine just to stay here. Let God fill you up. 
Continue to have God's grace and love wash over you every single day. Continue to let him love you more and more each day, and don't worry about the last application point, which is loving others. That will come. You have a lifetime for that. But right now, if you're hurting, if you're in pain, if there's issues that have happened in the past and you feel like oh, you're just defeated, there's nothing wrong with just letting God's love wash over you again and again and again. Because at some point, you will feel better. You will feel like you can take that next step. And that next step for the rest of us is to let that love flow. Don't just let that love sit there in that bin for the next 20 years. Don't just let it sit there and go stale. Don't let it get bacteria in it, mold in it, algae in it. Don't let it turn green. Let it be clear. Let it move out from you. Love your neighbor. Love your boss. I'm sorry to say that, but you do have to love them. Love your coworkers. Love your spouse. Love the person you're dating. Love the person that you may be dating in the future. Love anyone. Love everyone. Love your church. Because when you love, that love is how God is known. And that is extremely important. So we want to be a church. We want to be Christians. But we also want to be the church that is known for having loving relationships. So that's our challenge. So let's love and let's pray. <laughs> And now, let's pray. God, your love is a beautiful thing. We could talk about it for hours, for seven years, Lord. We could talk about your love forever because it is truly that amazing. And there's more aspects of your love that we didn't even touch on today, God, but your love is sacrificial. It's unconditional, and it's never-ending, and we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for filling us up new each and every morning, for loving us in a way that no one else in this world could love us, Lord. And we pray for those who do not know that love, Lord, that we can be a church that will help them understand that love by loving these people who don't understand your love, Lord, that they will see a glimmer of what your amazing love is. Because even as humans, we cannot love perfectly, but we can love differently than the rest of this world because we know you. And we ask that that different love is what goes out from each and every one of us and that we can love everyone around us, Lord. And I pray for anyone here who's sitting today and saying they want to experience that love. I ask that you give them the encouragement just to come up and talk to me or talk to any of our elders and just start a conversation about what is this love and how can you experience it? And God, I pray for those of us, which is every one of us, who need to experience your love in a greater sense. I ask that you help us to seek you even more, Lord, to spend more time in your Bible, to spend more time in silence, to spend more time disciplined to seek you more to seek your relationship, Lord, that we can become closer to you. And with that, your love will continue and continue and continue to overflow into us. And then I pray for those who are hurting, Lord, those who have had painful experiences in the past with churches or of Christianity or even deaths in the family or deaths in anywhere, Lord. I ask that you come alongside them, that you let them know that it's perfectly fine that they are in a time of healing that they don't have to seek out the next person that they need to love on, Lord, that if you bring it to them, that you will make it clear. But right now, they are in a time of healing, and that is okay, Lord. And then for the rest of us, I pray that you help us and give us ways that your Holy Spirit shows us how we can love the rest of this world, how we can love our neighbors, 
how we can love our bosses, how we can love our coworkers, how we can love our spouses, how we can love the people we're dating, how we can love our brothers, our sisters, our aunts, our uncles, everyone, Lord, even that random person in the Home Depot parking lot, show us how we can love them. Not that we can be known as loving people, but that you can be known through our love. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Right, thank you.